All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton, and it's Thursday, so we are digging deeper into the Psalms this week, and this is a long one, Psalm 89. It's not long enough to break up into multiple weeks like I will for Psalm 119, but it is a long one, and as we are shoveling snow out to get everything situated around here, we also dig deeply into the psalm as we realize that God always remembers the covenant, regardless of how it looks from our vantage point. So as usual, I will read all of Psalm 89, and then we'll talk about key points in there. A Maskell of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord. Let your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his for if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and the iniquity with stripes, but I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the words that went forth from my lips. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. 
You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. He has exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. All right, Psalm 89 in its entirety right there. The last psalm in book three of the Psalms. We go back to the superscription, a mascal of Ethan the Ezraite. Ethan the Ezraite was also mentioned along with Heman the Ezraite in 1 Kings 4.31 as some of the wisest men in the time of Solomon as they are listed in 1 Kings 4.31. Now, God's covenant with David is an eternal covenant, as we see from verses 3 and 4. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. It is the last portion of the funnel that runs from Adam to Jesus. The main story of the Old Testament describes this funnel throughout history, taking the promise from the whole through the descendants of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and finally David. As David gets to be the last of that line of funneling down to be the forefather of the Messiah. Now, of course, we can go through Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 3 and see it funneled down even more just in the descendants of David. But David is that final point of narrowing down. There's not another time in the Old Testament where God says, okay, now it will be this guy instead of this guy. Because God just goes down through the line, providing kings for Judah throughout their history until the Babylonian captivity because of his promise to David. God remembers the covenant. All right, verses 6 through 8 ask the question, who is like God? It asks it in multiple ways. And we must realize that there is no one among all the pantheons of gods that can compare with God's might and faithfulness in his word. There is not a single God that can do all the things that the Lord has done. And we must always keep that in mind. Because if we keep that in mind, according to verses 15 to 18, those who praise and exalt God are truly blessed. And that praising and exalting comes because we remember that he remembers the covenant. Regardless of what is going on around us, God remembers the covenant. And we'll come back to this towards the end of the psalm. 
We skip over to verse 27 as we go to the funneling down idea again. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Through the Old Testament's funneling, David becomes a type of Christ, God's firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, but he is also the king of kings and lord of lords, as he is called in 1 Timothy 6.15, Revelation 17.14, and Revelation 19.16. He is the ultimate fulfillment of being the highest of the kings of the earth. Why? Because his kingdom is not of this world, as he tells Pilate. Otherwise, his apostles would have fought his imprisonment. He would have fought to get him free from Pilate. But his kingdom is not of this world. His king is other world. His kingdom is otherworldly. So Jesus is the highest of all kings. Verses 28 through 34 talk about that covenant continuing on. But he gives the option that if David's descendants sin against him, which they will, they will be punished. But the covenant stands forever. His steadfast love will never be removed from David's line. It will never be given to another. There will not be a plan B in all of the talk of the kingdom. This is it. This is the covenant that shapes the rest of the Old Testament. Because once we get past David and get into Solomon and the books of Kings and Chronicles and all the prophets, all of them happen after David. All of them happen to talk about how the covenant still remains, even though David's descendants have sinned and have brought Judah into sinning with them. Like I said, David's descendants are going to sin. And then verses 38 through 45 talk about that punishment that comes along. And Ethan, I'm sure as he's in the time of Solomon, is there witnessing what happens when the kingdom is split apart and Jeroboam takes away ten tribes, leaving Rehoboam with only two. And he talks about it like it's the Babylonian captivity that happens three centuries later. It is a very graphic description of how horrible it feels to be in that moment of punishment. Kind of like they will talk about at the end of Jeremiah and with Ezekiel and bits of Daniel that talk about the Babylonian captivity and how long and how horrible it was. But again, this is three centuries before. Ethan does not quite exactly know what is going on here and what is going to happen. But he does tell God to remember. Asking God and telling God to remember is not necessarily the greatest thing. Because usually we ask him to not remember, especially not to remember our sins anymore. But he says, remember how short my time is. Human life is too short. Many times we see the punishment being, uh, being prophesied and the people who prophesy it don't even get to see the fulfillment of the prophecy. The people around them don't get to see it. 
And we see this in Isaiah. Isaiah tells Hezekiah that the that the kingdom will fall to the Babylonians, but it will not be in his time. And Hezekiah is great. I don't have to worry about it. I'll let my grandson or great-grandson have to deal with it. But because life is too short, we should always seek God's presence and favor because otherwise we simply wallow in this world's vanity, trying to keep up with what's cool and hip now, because in five minutes, it's not going to be anymore. And then one of the great verses, and probably the greatest verse of this entire psalm, verse 48, what man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Who is there that will never die? Not even Jesus was able to go through this life without suffering death. Granted, he didn't need to die. He didn't deserve to die. But God didn't create us to die either. He created us to live with him forever. That's what Eden was supposed to be. So even Jesus did not live and not see death. But... Jesus has the power to deliver his soul from Sheol and your soul from Sheol as well. You can have that everlasting life that he promises because of Jesus' death. A death that he did not deserve, but the death he died for you. And this is why as Ethan looks at the bleakness of the world in the last few verses of this psalm, he feels like God has deserted him because it's so very bleak and so very dark. However, God never deserts us. He allows us to suffer the consequences for our sinful actions. He allows us to endure mocking and insults from our enemies. He allows it so that he might bring us into clearer focus on his grace and mercy. Because at one time, you and I were those enemies, mocking and insulting him. And now, in our baptism, we are not. We have been reconciled with him. We have been justified through Christ. And so even in our darkest moments, even when we are suffering the consequences of our own actions or inactions, God is still there with us. He has not deserted us. He is there to teach us the lesson that he wants us to learn. And that lesson is to trust in him because he remembers his covenant. Covenant with David to keep a descendant on the throne forever, that descendant being Jesus who is on the throne as the King of kings and Lord of lords, reigning over all creation, reigning for you. All right, that's it for this week in Psalm 89. Next week, we're into Psalm 90 and 91, getting into some very familiar psalms in these next, at least next week. Some of the other ones in the 90s aren't as familiar, but we have several that are quite familiar. So I encourage you to come back for those. Be here on Monday for Confessional Corner as we continue our trek through the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. We'll be done with it soon. 
Well, it's like, you know, that definition of soon is kind of like Jesus at the end of Revelation. Behold, I am coming soon. I mean, it'll happen. Maybe not as soon as you would like it to happen. Maybe not as soon as I would like it to happen. But it is going to happen. So we're thankful for that to wrap up the apology in the next couple of months so that we can move on to the small cult articles and then get into the catechisms and have a great time going back to the basics for a while to talk about the great things of God. Until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you for wrestling with theology this week, and I hope that this has helped to equip you for the theologies that you have to wrestle with in this life this week. Amen.